your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Wilson in the backfield with Cephas Johnson. Now they go empty. Back to throw as Johnson has some time. Steps, throws, pass intercepted. Picked off by Eric Lee. 15, 10, Lee 5. Touchdown, Nebraska. It's a pick six by Eric Lee. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to another week of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Plenty to talk about here tonight. Following a weekend, it was a rough one for the Big Red of the field as Ohio State flexed their muscles in the 48-7 victory over the Big Red. We'll talk about that matchup throughout the program tonight. Certainly get your input. Time to Monday night quarterbacking here on the show. Scott Frost had a press conference today, the weekly Monday press conference. We'll have clips of that to play for you. We'll hear from Matt Davis in our Mondays with Matt edition coming up at the beginning of hour number two. We'll have our weekend rewind at the top of hour number three. Busy weekend in college football and the National Football League. And the baseball pennant races came to a close yesterday as um, all the pairings are set. The NL wildcard game is tomorrow night. The AO wildcard game is on Wednesday as the playoffs begin this week. We'll also hear from Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com get his take on the weekend of football as it was in the college ranks. And as always, we want your input, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. As I prepared all week long for that game on Saturday night, man, I just kept getting more and more impressed with Ohio State as I put together my charts, this is my 12th year doing Husker football, and the only other team that I prepared for and go, wow, this, this is a really, really good football team was the 08 Oklahoma team, which certainly had a great cast. Sam Bradford was their quarterback. The entire offensive line ended up playing in the National Football League. DeMarco Murray was their back. They just were loaded. And that's what I thought of all week long when I was working on Ohio State and breaking down tape and their numbers and putting together my charts and we saw it we all saw it Saturday night how talented they were across the board led by Justin Fields who did not make a mistake all night long put the ball in some tight spots J.K. Dobbins is a terrific back young the defensive end is just a beast most draft boards having one or two in the April draft I think we all saw why on Saturday night and so Ben sometimes you sit there and you want to Kick dirt, and I thought Scott Frost put it perfectly in his post-game comments after the game. He goes, I'm, if I sat here and picked on my guys, that's I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to pick on my guys because they're not as good as the guys across from him. But that's, that's as, in essence, what it was Saturday night. Ohio State was just a superior football team and maybe the best team in the country. We'll find out as the season unfolds. But as of right now, I don't know that I've seen anybody playing any better than the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, I, I like you, you know, when I go through a, a specific team and I come up with, you know, what we're going to talk about on our pregame show. And, and a lot of times it, it well, it usually starts with the, the last week's game. You know, I want to I want to highlight a few things on that. And then I move usually about Wednesday to the next opponent. And I start by watching their last game start to finish. And with with some teams. I'll even watch a little more. I watched a little more with Ohio State just because I, it was hard to get a handle on them because of who they played to this point. Um, and there are some there are some teams that immediately, you know, within a series or two, 
maybe a couple series and you go, oh, I, I'm going to like Nebraska in this matchup or I'm going to like this guy matched up on this guy or, you know, I, th- I think Nebraska can exploit this team here. Um, with Ohio State, it was, okay, well, we're going to look better than that because it's this team. You know, we're, we're going to like – like when I was watching Chase Young snap after snap after snap on film and he's getting by – right tackles and left tackles with the same move every time I go okay surely we're gonna have better luck on this guy than that like he's not gonna get to the passer that easy right I mean and I'm saying the same thing about fields he's not gonna be perfect against us like we're Nebraska is gonna get to him and put him on his back a few times they're gonna make him uncomfortable they're gonna put him in third and long they're like like I'm, I'm going through this in my head as like, and it's not so much of where Nebraska could exploit Ohio State. I was, I was trying to talk myself into, uh, you know, these guys not looking that good on film. Like, that, that's what I was doing when I was watching them. And, and, and I knew Nebraska would have to play a perfect game and, and Adrian would have to put on a cape and you'd have to make some big-time plays and you'd have to get the football on turnovers and you'd have to get some really lucky things to happen very similar to what Illinois did to Nebraska to stay in that game. Nebraska was going to need a lot of that to stay into that game. The problem is they just don't make mistakes. They, they, they don't make any mistakes. And we're going to talk about their talent a lot, and rightfully so, but their scheme on offense on the offensive side of the football is beautiful. They, uh, they run it just perfectly. The, the way the offensive line – just pins your D-line to the side and and J.K. Dobbins' vision as a running back is so good. He can find two to three holes on any particular running play and all he has to do is pick one of them and it's a positive gain. It might not be a 12, 15, 20 plus yard gain but it's at the minimum a five yard gain and they're never off script and then you let Fields do what he does offensively and even, even if there is a play where you have him in a box he'll take off and run and and pick up positive yardage it was so hard to stop they weren't making any mistakes their special teams they didn't make a single mistake on special teams the one that they made mistake it didn't matter because we made a bigger mistake we were off sides uh on the kickoff so then you throw in the talent aspect and i've been telling people all week i've seen lopsided scores for nebraska on the field for three years and there are a lot of times when i walk off the field and i go that team was not that good that just beat us. They they really weren't that good. That team was that good and some. Uh, every spot on that roster was just. And I always say this, you know, there are some teams that just look different when you line up next to them. Chase Young is the most impressive physically of a football player I have ever seen in person. The dude is a man child. He's going to make millions and millions of dollars getting after the quarterback on Sundays. And Nebraska's offensive line was zero match for him all night long. And unfortunately, I kind of wish Nebraska would have held off Ohio State a little bit. I think it was basically worst-case scenario, throwing the pick, getting down, scoring, then down 14 nothing. At that point, you're going, okay, how bad is this going to get? How bad is this going to get? You were hoping to get it you know, midway second, late second quarter before the, the floodgates opened up. Unfortunately for Nebraska, they opened up on about the first drive you know I had a little bit of success on that first series but after that it was it was just over and and to me ultimately what Saturday was was a big time timeline reality check to myself 
you know, I, I, I was convinced and, and convinced myself and let other people convince me Nebraska was a lot further along in this process than what they really are. I, I hate just taking one game as a measuring stick, but that was a measuring stick type football game on Saturday night that, yes, things are trending in the right direction, but we have a long ways to go before this thing gets turned around as a consistent level, and you can, can compete on the field with a team like that. No, that's exactly right. It's a, a little bit of a cold bucket of water thrown at you that, all right, that's the, that's the top. That's the apex. Ohio State's right there with Bama, Clemson. That's where they are. Oklahoma, you can throw them in there too. So that's where you got to get to. And I think you saw it Saturday night, and it can hurt. It can make you mad. I don't know why it would make you mad. It's just where this program has gone to right now for Nebraska. And these guys are working hard to try to close that gap with each passing day. But it's going to take a while, and it's going to take a couple of recruiting classes. And it's going to, people are going to have to be patient. We didn't get here overnight. We're not going to be able to get back up the mountain overnight either. It's going to be a process to get back up there. I'm, I'm not – I'm not upset today. I'm, I know we have a lot of work to do, but I'm really anxious for Saturday to get here to play Northwestern. We're favored to win that game over Northwestern. I think there's a lot of winnable games still left on Nebraska's schedule for this year, and I think we can make good progress from last year to this year. 4-8 last year, I think we'll do quite a bit better than that this year. Are we ready to win a Big Ten title? No, and that was a cold reality that we all got smacked with on Saturday night. Yeah, you mentioned mad, and I know people are mad, and they're mad for a couple of reasons. One is it's back to the national spotlight game where Nebraska lays a big egg. And I can, I can understand that. I get it. Especially everything that happened last week. Everything was, had set the table for just a, a marquee Husker weekend that we hadn't had here in years and years and years. And I understand that. And it's not that Nebraska lost. It's, again, the way that they lost and the way that they were just physically dominated in all three aspects of that football game on Saturday. So I get you're mad. But be mad at what the situation is. Don't be mad at Adrian Martinez. Don't be mad at the players. Don't be mad at, at Coach Frost. I mean, you're mad that it's not going faster. And that's the fan in you, you know, wanting this thing to turn around. And that's what makes Nebraska great. But, you know, being angry isn't going to make this thing go any faster. It's not going to make the offensive line block better. It's not going to make Adrian Martinez throw the ball more accurately. It's not going to make the defense make – you know, form tackles and fundamental tackles better. I understand the frustration. I'm frustrated too, but you know, the, the, the caliber of team that Nebraska played Saturday night didn't lend itself to a victory. And that's certainly not what happened. I get that you're, you're mad and you're frustrated, but uh, the being patient is the hardest thing to do as a fan. And that right now that's all you can do. And every passing day and every passing game seems like it's one step forward, two steps back, but until you give this team its father time, you, it's hard to make judgments right now. Just let this team do its thing, see how the season plays itself out and how Nebraska compares to some of these other Big Ten teams. And if we're still having issues with loss after loss after loss to a team like Nebraska's playing this week, then we'll sit down and have that conversation. But on Mondays, we have a chance to talk to Matt. Time now for the Weekly Breakdown. What a memorable first game at home in the Big Ten Conference. With color analyst and former national champion. All the games played for this historic program. All the great rushing days that we've seen over the years and way beyond my lifetime. And we've seen the best one here today against the top ten team. It's Mondays with Matt Davison on Sports Nightly. 
Well, sometimes it's it's more about the other team than your own, and, and that was my feeling walking away was that was just a heck of a football team Nebraska faced Saturday night. What were some of your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously they were really good. Yeah, going into the game, knew it was going to be a tough challenge. They're pretty good at every position across the board. They're really good in special teams. They're big and strong up front on both sides. We knew all that going into the game. I don't know that anybody thought the score would end up the way that it was, and so that was disappointing. But that's what happens when you play a quality team like that. You turn it over three times in your first, what, four or five possessions and give them field position and and one chance that you have to score down in their end, you you throw a pick. So, you know, too many mistakes on Nebraska's end against a really good team, and and that's what happens to you when you you, uh, step on your own toes and, and give team's opportunities that are really good and that's what happened Saturday we saw some wrinkles Saturday night we saw some football that looked like Nebraska circa 1997 and we with a little eye look some uh, wing backs on each side of the formation that was kind of cool yeah it was some of the stuff that we had run back in the 90s and and uh, we had worked on it as a program for a while off and on in the spring and then uh, in the fall and and so it was just a matter of when it was going to come out in a game. I thought Coach Frost did a good job of sprinkling it in. It was effective early in the game, put together a good drive, and, and that drive ended in, a, in an interception. And before he knew it, it was 21 to nothing. Ran a little bit more of it later in the game, and it was, it was somewhat effective. I think it can be something that you know can be a piece of what this offense is doing. And uh, I thought in those scenarios, Greg, I thought the guys did really well, looked at the film, and and we actually pushed them around a little bit when we were coming off the ball in some of that option game with the traps and some of the option plays. So, you know, that was – I don't want to say it was surprising, but, you know, watching it live, maybe you didn't sense that, but there were times in that drive at least where the offensive line did a really good job and got a good push, and that's why we were able to move the ball. I mean, that's where it starts, right, with every game, and – that's why Ohio State had a, had uh, so much success on offense when they had the ball. They were more physical up front. They had some big holes. Uh, they had the ability to get the edge. Their running back did a good job. And then when they when they went to throw it, he had time most of the time to get rid of it, and he threw a bunch of dimes around the field. So uh, they played really well, right? They didn't turn it over. They didn't miss a, a throw when it was there. They didn't drop a pass when it was there. They didn't have silly penalties. We played a really good team that didn't make many mistakes, and and we made some on our end, and that's why the score ended up the way it did. All right. The message after the game was, you flush it, forget about it, let's move on. Do you think the guys took to that message? I think so. I mean, that's all you can do. You can't let one game beat you twice or three times or five times. You have to turn the page and get ready for next week. We played Northwestern last year, and – and played them well and had a good chance to win that game in the fourth quarter and didn't get it done. I think our guys are motivated by that. They understand they still have a great chance if they play good football to win the West and try to get to the Big Ten championship game. Those things are still in front of this team. And if you remember back to last year, our football team got a heck of a lot better as the season progressed. And I don't have any reason to believe that that won't happen this year as well. If the guys stay locked in and they – stay focused in practice on getting better every day. I think they can do that. And so here we are five games in have two more games before an off week. Hopefully the guys this week can get ready and play a great game at home against Northwestern and then try to go get one on the road against Minnesota. 
Last uh, week, but it all starts this week. Yeah, last week was such a big week emotionally on campus. You had, obviously, the big buildup for ESPN's game day, the, the major announcement for the football facilities on Friday. Uh, a lot of that was, was really well done, don't you think? Don't you think that was a great kind of a, a commercial almost for about 24, 36 hours about the university and the football program? Uh, yeah, there's no question. It was it was a great week for Nebraska football overall. Um, the support for this project has been overwhelming. Uh, I think the project in and of itself is is a it's needed. Something that um, we in the state and get some support on it is going to be at the entire campus. So it's not just football. It's it's all student athletes. It's going to help all the programs. Uh, the the fact that that was highlighted uh, on ESPN and that we were able to showcase our campus and our stadium and our fan support on national television with College Game Day was a big win for our athletic department, for our university. And so, yeah, there were a lot of positive things to take out of last week. The game didn't end up any, not even close to any, anything that we wanted, but at the same time, there were a lot of good things that came out of last week. And, and now as a team, you just have to turn the page and, and try to get better this week and get ready for for a, a really good Northwestern team that seems like every time we play them, Greg, it comes down to the last minute of the game. So expect another close one on Saturday. Yeah, it's remarkable how, how close the matchups have been between these two when they've played since Nebraska joined the Big Ten Conference. Well, I, I want to give you some kudos because Coach Frost certainly did at that announcement on Friday. Uh, apparently you've been doing a lot of work on this here the last five, six months, correct? Yeah, I mean, it's it's taken up uh, most of what I've been working on lately, but it's been a great team effort. I'll tell you what, um, Susan Fritz in her interim role has, has been tremendous. Uh, Ronnie Green as the chancellor has done a great job, uh, along with Bill Moose, and, and obviously Hank Bounds has hung around uh, to help us with this project, and so his leadership has been key. There's, It's been a team effort, um, but definitely it's been something that's pretty much consumed me, and it's something that I enjoy. This is going to help our football program. I'm willing to do anything to help us uh, get back to where we want to get to, and I think this is going to help Coach Frost and, and the football program, and it's going to really transform athletics as a whole uh, with this building project. So um, it's been a lot of work. There's a lot of work still to be done, but uh, we're going to do it. And with everybody's help across the state and around the country, those Husker fans that want to help us are going to be appreciated, and, and uh, we're going to do it right. Very good. All right, have a good week. We'll see you in the booth on Saturday afternoon. All right, buddy. Thanks. All right, Scott Frost had a press conference earlier today and started out by ask. he was asked, what uh, what can the team learn from a game like the Ohio State game? We had a great practice this morning. Um, the guys are excited. Uh, everything they want to accomplish is still right in front of them. Uh, you you, you know, we, I told my guys to put that one behind us fast. We need to be focused on this week and, and concentrate on practicing as well as we can to get ready for this game. It was kind of his post-game message even Saturday night was that thing. That's what he told the team. All right, guys, this one's done and gone. Let's move on. Let's not let it affect this week. And he talked about the importance of trying to bounce back here against Northwestern. It's always critical to win, but we got to keep improving. Um, this game is, is the most important. Um, once we finish this one, the next one will be most important. Um, this, this is the time of year where you start to get a little tired and beat up, and every team in the country is, is that way. Uh, we're no exception. Uh, we got two weeks here before we get to a bye week and get to get recovered a little bit. Uh, but we need to practice this week like it's 
our first game, last game, most important game. Um, then we'll flip the script and do the same thing the next week, and um, then we'll get a chance to, to rest the guys a little bit. And the next two are divisional games. Yeah, I mean, uh, every division game is huge, critical, and you, you just have to find a way to win them. And I think that's it's going to make it an easier sell for the players that you can't let Ohio State linger on throughout the week. Otherwise, you're really going to be in some trouble when it comes time to to achieving your goals. Would you be a fan of the league standings only reflecting your divisional games? Because the crossovers play a big factor in it. And we and Nebraska sort of benefits this year, even though they played Ohio State, they do get Indiana, Maryland, two teams that won't be at the top of that division. I mean, because as we sit there all summer long and try to figure out who's going to win a division, we take into matter who you plan in the other half. What if it just just the games within your division determines who's the division champ? I th- to be honest with you, I think we're two more added teams from a conference away from doing that, that. Uh, because then you're starting to really get teams that have benefits with their because it's impossible the big 10 is so horrible at scheduling for every conference for every sport yeah it's never balanced and it seems as though right now we're i mean even as far out as we go you know that the schedule has been released for the conference we're just trading blows with teams this year iowa has it next year nebraska has it the next year wisconsin has it next year minnesota has it that's all we're doing instead of trying to balance balance it out you know, and, and try and sk- – Nebraska plays Ohio State every year for, what, six straight years or yeah. something like that? And then it's going to be Michigan for, like, five in a row. Yeah, so it's like there's no competitive balance to it. So, uh, to be honest with you, I think we're, yeah, two more added teams away and a conference away from doing that. I, I think it's worth looking at and being talked about. I, I can't wait. I'm going to bring it up to Bill Moose next time he's in here about, has that been talked about? Because that would seem to be – a better indicator of who your true division champion is just with the seven, the six games you play within your division. And like you said, if the Big Ten goes to 16, then it would be the seven other games yeah. you play That's in your division. Seven to me is a big enough sample size. Yeah, Six, you're probably going to end up with a bunch of ties and tiebreakers in that situation too. Right. All right, uh, Adrian Martinez certainly came up in the in-hour one of the program. It's come up all week long. Uh, he, he's under the gun. You know he would be. Most starting quarterbacks at a program like Nebraska are – uh, Scott Frost was asked if there's anything Adrian can do better when the protection isn't there. One thing we talked about today and are going to talk about all week is making sure that Adrian's dealing with things that he's expecting and not a bunch of uncertainties. And, and that means receivers being in the exact right spots and protection being a little better, um, snaps being better. Um, you know, we're putting an awful lot on him anyway, but when he's worried about where the snap is, worried about who's coming unblocked, worried about if his receiver's going to be in the right place, you know, that's too much to put on a quarterback. Um, so we'll continue to dial all those things in. Uh, I think as our, some of our young players on offense get some more reps and some more experience, that'll continue to get better. I think that's just such a good reflection on everything that he's having to deal with within a play. And, and, it, and if you... People are always critical of the quarterback, but before you go like spouting off on social media or message boards or talk shows or whatever, go pull up the game and grab a stopwatch. And any particular play, start the clock when the ball snapped, end the clock when the ball's out of his hand, and then listen to that quote again and try and figure out everything that he's trying to process in that 2.4 seconds or – you know whatever it is and it, it's it, 
it's impossible to expect him to be successful when he's having to do that. Yeah, the sna- the snaps were erratic. They weren't awful throughout the night. They were erratic. And then, again, once he got the snap, it was like immediately he had to make a step away from pressure. It was that intense against him on Saturday night. So how is he playing in the eyes of the head coach? He's doing well. Um, he played tough Saturday. He, he got us some yards when there wasn't anything there. Um, he was dealing with a lot of pass rush with very little time to make decisions. And and they they had they have a really good team. Um, they're number one on my ballot. I know the season will play out, but where it sits right now, that's as good a team as I've seen. And he was dealing with a lot of that. I thought he did pretty well under the circumstances. Adrian was a big focus of the press conference today, and the coach was asked about uh, what he thinks about Adrian getting this criticism. I, I can't believe he needs to be defended. If if you know football and watch that game. Uh, there's a lot of things that needed to be fixed. It, it's just the nature of the game that the head coach and quarterback can get all the praise and get all the blame, and uh, I think he knows that. Um, but, you know, he fought and made some really good plays for us Saturday. He's going to make some incredible plays for us going forward, and um, that's just the ups and downs of the game. Uh, Adrian's going to be just fine. I, I believe that. Uh, I the coaches are around practice enough to know who's going to give them the best chance to win. And from what I've seen, from the interpretations we're getting from the coaches, it's Adrian's job. So I get people are frustrated, and when, when they lose, that's typically where he goes, a quarterback. And Adrian has not been perfect by any stretch of the no. imagination. He, and he, there has been times when he's deserved some fair critique and some fair criticism, but – uh, to completely run him over with the bus for Saturday night's performance, I don't think is fair either. He, he has, I, I think, probably not overly joyed at the way he's played the first five weeks of this season. I think he would have expected more. And the good news is he's just a sophomore. There is a lot more time for him to get this thing. You're right, though. The, the, two, the two guys that get a ton of criticism are always the quarterback and the offensive coordinator slash head coach. And that's exactly where most of it falls upon. And um, so Coach was even asked, we don't have this clip cut up, about does Adrian – is he too hard on himself? And Coach Frost said, no, nah, he, he does a pretty good job of understanding what went wrong and uh, not taking it too hard on himself. And, and that's why I think he's got such a good level head about him. I think he, he leaves every practice, every game, kind of knowing where it's got to get better and what he has to do better. Yeah, and, you know, he is hard on himself. I – I'm usually the, one of the first people he talks to after the game, you know, briefly or, you know, even for the locker room show or whatever. And and he's always just beating himself down about how he plays, even if he plays well. Uh, it's – it yeah, it, it, that's part of being a quarterback too. This The self-critique is always there, and you're not worrying about the throws you make. You're worrying about the throws you didn't make or the decisions you did or didn't make. It's I think it, part of that's the position. Yeah, no doubt. We're back, Sports Nightly Monday night. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. On Mondays, we'd like to check in with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com, who covers college football for that prestigious website. We saw Adam on Saturday. He was at Memorial Stadium for the first time in oh, a long time. And, man, I, I I think we saw a really good football team, Adam. Maybe one of the best, maybe one of the best teams in the country in Ohio State. What, what were your thoughts about the Buckeyes? 
yeah, that's a really talented team that's playing at a high level. And that's really the difference from what they were last year, Greg, because, you know, as you know, they, they returned many of those players from the 2018 team, which won a Big Ten title, but we had a very choppy season, especially on defense. And, and it's just amazing when a team with that much talent is coming together and completely aligned schematically and, and mentally locked in. And they really are on both sides of the ball. And they obviously have a, a different type of threat at quarterback with Justin Fields. He can do some things that are different from Dwayne Haskins. And it, it's really allowed them, when, when they're really rocking on offense, it's very, very hard for a defense to do much about it. And obviously, obviously uh, the Huskers bore the brunt of that on Saturday. Do they, if they weren't already heavily in the mix for the national title game, they've got to be now, aren't they? Or be a part of the playoff? Well, I've got a lot of questions about, you know, them being the number one team in the country after that um, performance. And, you know, they, they certainly look apart. Now they're going to have some tougher tests later in the year, even this week against Michigan State, but Penn State, Wisconsin, you know, the Big Ten's a pretty good, pretty good league this year. So we're going to find out more about them. But, but they, you know, they should always be in that conversation. And they, they certainly look, 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 they look like they belonged on Saturday. When we were talking to you on Saturday, one of the games we were kind of watching was, was Clemson, North Carolina. Clemson escaped. I love Mac Brown going for two. I think that was the right call to make. Clemson has shown some warts. Is there worry about where the Tigers are a month into this thing? Yeah, I think there should be. Uh, you know, but on the one hand, there should be. On the one hand, there shouldn't. You know, they've had some slow starts in the past, and they've typically been a team that's much better in October and certainly into November. But you know, I look at Trevor Lawrence. You know, maybe those expectations were unfair that were placed upon him entering the season. Uh, but he's have he's had some struggles. Their offensive line doesn't look as sharp to me. Defensively, they still look very good. But are they matching their talent level on a consistent basis? I think to this point in the season, they're not. But historically, there's a lot on their side, both from the talent standpoint and scheme standpoint, and certainly with their coaches. They, they know how to get the best out of their team when it really matters. Did, were you okay with Mac Brown going for two when he did? I was, yeah. I think a lot of people wanted a different play call. I know – uh, just from talking to some people on the staff, they, they missed the block there. But you know, it's very hard to convert against that type of speed on defense. But I, I like them trying to, to win the game or at least give themselves a chance to win the game. I still think there's a pretty good chance Clemson comes back and, and finds a way there with about a minute 15 left. But I think if you're North Carolina, first-year coach, you're playing at home, why not against a team that obviously has more talent than you do? Well, we're not. Tomorrow's the first of October. But we've already had a coach removed. Rutgers fires Chris Ash over the weekend. I don't think that shocks anybody. Is Shiano number one on the list, uh, without a doubt, or where do you think Rutgers goes? Yeah, everything I've heard since that move was made on Sunday is that you know the, the timing of the move, just understanding that they weren't going to bring. Chris back and the fact that you know one of their targets at least is available and Greg Schiano, uh, I think he's going to drive at least the first phase of the search until he says no or until they just don't reach an agreement. I think that's where you have to to think. Now there's obviously going to be other candidates, but it's a unique situation where you have the most successful coach in the last 30 to 40 years of your program who's available right now, who's not working, and, and who may not have very many other head coaching opportunities just because of, of some of the things that have happened in recent years. So if he's interested and, and they're interested, I, I, would, I would think that this is going to get worked out. But uh, I think Rutgers also has to look at some other candidates. It's a very tough job, as you mentioned. One thing that's been told to me several times in the last you know, 24, 36 hours is that this is the toughest job in the Power Five. 
I mean, you see the success that Wake Forest is having. You've seen some relative success at Vanderbilt. You know, Oregon State has a little bit more success even recently than, than Rutgers does. It's just a really tough place to win. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's turn our attention to this week. A lot of eyes in the SEC for the Florida-Auburn matchup. I'm, and I think you maybe said this last week when we had you on. I'm not sure anybody's done more than Auburn already this year. They've had some impressive wins early in the season. They really do, and you know, I we do a top four for ESPN.com after every week of games, and I have Auburn number one. I think I'm the only one who does, and I understand the argument against it, but in terms of resume and impressive wins, they, they deserve it. I mean, Oregon, the win against Oregon looks better and better. They won at Texas A&M, which is still a tough place to play, even though the Aggies are down a little bit this year, and then uh, just, just crushing Mississippi State. I think that really validated how good of a team they could be, but they're going to have to keep it going because they might have the toughest schedule in the country when all is said and done. What else has grabbed your attention for this upcoming week? Well, you know, it's uh, I think I think Michigan Iowa is going to be a really important game you know, for both teams. Obviously, Michigan can't afford another loss. Uh, I think in league play, if they want to, you know, really make make a push for for their first. A Big Ten title in 14 years just because of how good Ohio State is performing. Michigan hasn't lost a home game in quite some time. And if Iowa can win this one, man, that sets up a huge game next week against what should be an undefeated Penn State team. They have Purdue this week. Purdue's really banged up at home. And uh, in Iowa, uh, going on the road, that game's going to be at night. Should be an incredible atmosphere at Kinnick Stadium. So that's one that, that certainly jumps out to me. And then you know, we'll see if Ohio State, you know, it's gonna, they're going to face more resistance on defense from Michigan State. That's a, one of the nation's best defenses. It's at home. They just had this big win against Nebraska. So how do they, how do they respond to, uh, to, to, to facing the Spartans who, who should provide a, a little bit more resistance on defense? Very good. You headed to any of these games? I'm actually off this week. This is my first uh, first weekend at home, but I'm sure I'll be back out there uh, on October 12th. Very good. We appreciate you joining us, and have a great week. We'll talk next Monday. Thanks, Greg. Well, what a show tonight. Great calls. Kudos to the audience. We've had some wonderful takes on the show tonight. Tomorrow night, we will have a practice report. We'll hear from Tom Chattel, the lead columnist of the Omaha World Herald. John Cook will be with me for a couple of minutes. We'll have Top Ten Tuesday as well, headed your way tomorrow night. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Austin, to all of you for being a part of this one tonight. We'll do it again tomorrow. Good night.